0: This is Histories and Mysteries. I'm Ashley. I'm Jessica. And I'm Rochelle.
1: And on this week's episode, Ashley is going to be doing a story that was a listener request. And it's going to be Dr. Peven. And Rochelle is going to be talking about the Cape Ontario UFO. Carp Ontario, you oh. <laughs> <personal. laughs> yeah you were just talking about the spooky nursery rhymes and I have okay. in my head. <laughs> Anyways, there you go. <laughs> uh
0: yeah, so my story was requested by uh what was the name, Jess? Juji. Juji. How did yeah. you spell that?
1: J U. J-E-E.
0: Okay, so just in case we're saying that wrong, we apologize. That's our best <laughs> guess. Um, they requested it, um, and I looked it up, and it is a wild ride. Yeah. I'm excited. I am, too. It's very interesting. It's not long. There's not a lot of information because it's kind of like... Okay. What's his name? PV? Peavy? Peavy. Dr. Peavy. Yeah. It's not yeah. long. Like I said, it's just kind of like, this is what he did, but uh, it's interesting, so... Yeah,
1: the, uh, the listener said it. They really enjoyed Ashley's take on the Hicks babies.
0: Yeah, thank you for that too.
2: I appreciate that. It was nice to see. <laughs> You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> just okay, so, so I just looked it up to like yeah. spoil it for myself uh-huh. because I do that all the time. Honestly, my like biggest thing, and I cannot stop myself from doing this unless I'm like actually watching a movie in the theater, is I have a compulsion to look up and read the plot of the movie that I'm watching and then read all of the IMDb trivia for said movie. And (laughs) Dustin's like, always like, put your phone down, stop reading about the movie. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't... Spoilers don't bother me. Yeah. And so I get more out of it, like, when I know everything about it. But then sometimes I get so into reading about it that I... (laughs) Miss the movie. (laughs) I do that, too, with, like, um... Like a series or something
0: like that, where there's like a question. I'm like, I need to know the answer, or like, yeah. if I need to know if someone like died, or like, especially if a dog dies or something like that. I was like, I just uh. need to know. So and like Marley and Me is not a good one. For you. I Ugh. saw that in theaters with my family, and Same. I came out like. Ball like tears like, <laughs> like bawling yeah my aunt and i went and saw that
1: movie together right after we both lost our dogs <laughs> oh
0: god why would you do that we didn't know yeah, how I it did. ended
1: um, but i do the same thing with like um musicals i haven't seen before
0: yeah but i like
1: to listen to it start to finish first and then kind of like guess how it goes <laughs> <laughs> like the speaking parts and just like Try and figure out how like what actually happened happened in the story. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I
2: did that with Dear Evan Hansen before I watched the movie. (laughs) Oh,
0: I haven't seen that one yet. Is it good?
2: I'm like dreading, kind of like putting off watching the movie because it wasn't good. So many bad things. It was so bad. Oh, so bad. Anyways,
0: moving along. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll get started. So my sources were um, two articles from Daily Record and Fox 8, and oddly enough, this happened in michigan
2: Ooh. Ooh, Ashley. oh my home
0: state joyce and barry brown had trouble getting pregnant um but they wanted a baby so bad and they tried for eight years and they just Aww. never could get pregnant so eventually they started to go they decided to go visit a well-known fertility doctor dr pevin now this is back in like the late 40s early 50s so fertility it was it's not like well known about ivf wasn't around yet it was just in this time just starting to be tested on animals um so it was very new and in its infancy but dr Peven was really well known they could do artificial insemination at this point so they decided to go with that um and for them it worked in the late 50s they gave birth to a little girl who they named jamie Aww. But back then it wasn't as well known. And I don't think as like widely accepted. Like I think people kind of saw it as more like a shameful thing for some reason. So they decided not to tell anyone that they did artificial insemination, not even Jamie. So she never had any idea. And in 1956, Joyce and Barry decided to add to their family again so they went back through the artificial insemination process by dr peven again and joyce gave birth to jamie's sister lynn and the true two grew up really happy they had a happy family they have a third one called spears (laughs) Oh my God, I didn't even catch that when I was doing it. Rochelle and I just like
1: shared a look
0: and we're like, oh. <laughs> I did not
1: even catch on to that. <laughs> yeah, Rochelle and I both kind of picked it up at the same time.
0: <laughs> <That's> too funny. <laughs> so the family Jamie Lynn Spears. Yeah. Um... <laughs> No, so they grew up really happy, but they always kind of joked that Jamie was like the milkman's daughter because she looked nothing like her sister. She had dark hair, dark eyes, kind of olive skin, and Lynn was a little bit more pale. She had blonde hair, lighter eyes. Um, what did
2: Spears looked like?
0: <laughs> Spears looked just like Brittany.
2: Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but, you know, siblings look different all the time, right? Yeah. That so was just kind of like a family joke. Later on in life, uh, Jamie and now I can't say Jamie and Lynn without thinking <laughs> that. Uh, their parents eventually divorced. Uh oh. And they remarried. And can I tell you that their mom back in the day was a hottie with a body? Ooh. <laughs> she was so pretty. Uh, Their dad was handsome, too, but their mom was a knockout. Um, But they uh, remarried, and um, when their father eventually passed away, one of their step-siblings dropped a bomb on Jamie and her sister. Uh Uh-oh. She told them that Jamie was actually a product of an affair, and Lynn was born from artificial insemination. Jamie was shocked and it kind of started to make sense. She's like, no wonder I've always looked different from my family and my sister. Uh, she asked her mom. Her mom denied everything, but Jamie wanted to know more. So she decided to, to do a paternity test and found out that indeed Barry was not her dad. Ugh so jamie decided to do with a lot what a lot of people are doing these days and she tried to trace her ancestry back through like ancestry.com or 23andme and while she was doing that she actually found out she is Ash- ashkenazi jewish that's um, a very specific type of jewish for those of you that don't know according to britannica.com The term Ashkenazi refers to a group of Jews who lived in the Rhineland Valley and in neighboring France before their migration eastward to Slavic lands, like Poland, Lithuania, Russia, after the Crusades, and all their descendants. So um, they are a very um, close-knit community, especially back in the day. There's unfortunately a really, really bad genetic disease that they pass on to their children sometimes. So, if you have any Ashkenazi Jewish and you, a lot of times they do genetic testing to see if your babies will have this disease. Anyway, wow. yeah. So this was super weird because her sister had zero Ashkenazi Jew in her. Um, and according to the genetics website, Jamie had several close relatives like half brother sister close but as far as she knew she didn't have any other siblings
1: oh this is getting interesting
0: yes (sighs) so over the course of the next year jamie continued to look into her genetic profile and anyone who was listed as closely related to her she messaged um but there was a lot (laughs) a lot (gasps) Oh, <gasps> you know
1: what this reminds me of? Oh, what did you guys ever watch that Vince Vaughn movie? Um, uh, wasn't it called like Milkman or something?
0: Oh, <gasps> yes, where he has like a billion children because he donated yeah! his sperm. Yeah, that was a good one. One day she stumbled upon a profile, but the name was just listed as LM, but it did say that the account was run by someone listed as I. M. Piven. Jamie recognized the name. That was the doctor that had delivered both her and her sister. She started to get messages from other people who were listed as her half siblings, who were also delivered by Doctor Peven. She mm-hmm. also found Doctor Peven's grandson on the site, and he was designated as her half nephew sharing 12.3 percent of her dna so she reached out to this grandson and he's like yeah i know about you guys i've received other calls which what (laughs) i know about you yeah and jamie was like uh what so Jamie and what would be her half-sister who, wants, who wanted to be remain anonymous, so we don't know her name, decided that they were just going to go show up on Dr. Peven's doorstep and see what the hell was going on. Oh. Uh-huh. So she got there and she said he was all hunched and had a walker. He said he had neuropathy, but his brain was very sharp. Initially, we just said, hey, you knew our parents. You delivered us. So he invited us in and we got to talking. I showed him a picture of my parents and he zoomed in on the baby, me, and he sat on a chair. We both sat on the floor at his feet like his two daughters. He said, I was a pioneer, you know, I was the first ever to be doing anything like this. She said, so there was definitely ego there. I could see it. And then he would catch himself and stop talking or change the subject. We said, you not only delivered us. But we want to thank you for fathering us. Without you, we wouldn't be here. And he Uh-oh. asked, how did you know?
2: And the so, internet?
0: Yeah, once no. well, she started telling him about the DNA tests. And he said that he had been donating sperm, and I'm using air quotes, since 1947, Um, since he had been doing research in Chicago and he said that he kept records of everything in his private practice she said did you ever think DNA would be around to bring all these children back to you and he said I never thought this would be possible it's like a fairy tale isn't it my daughter thinks I could have fathered thousands of children holy shit so basically what he was doing was when these women would come in he was using his own sperm if he couldn't get a viable sperm from the dad and not telling them all the time. So what? yeah. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> so in the case of Jamie and Lynn, he actually threw his, their dad's sperm out because he couldn't get like a great sample from it and just used his own. okay it's
1: like it's better than what my initial thought was yeah
2: yeah so despite the shock like this one's no good let me just uh (laughs) wake up some more (laughs) like why
0: call them back (laughs) i know And despite the shocking revelation, Jamie feels pretty positive about the whole experience. She said, I don't look at it in a negative way. These women, my mother included, came to him desperate and he gave them something they all wanted. She said there wasn't the same regulation then as there is now. I really think he's trying to help people. And without him, I wouldn't be alive today. Some of the people that have called me feel like they've been cheated. They're having existential issues about it, but I don't see it that way. I'm just happy I'm here and have nothing but gratefulness to be alive. However, Jamie does acknowledge the huge biological and ethical implications of uh, Peevan's work. Okay. And she, she's even working in Michigan to make it a law, to make it illegal for doctors to do this, because currently it's not illegal. Uh. Yeah, there's no law that says the doctor can't just add his own sperm in.
1: You know what's funny? (laughs)
0: Michelle, (laughs) she's visibly (laughs) gagging. (laughs) You know what's funny?
1: Is that like in Canadian law, it's illegal to duel. Like it's still part of the criminal code. And yet it's not illegal for a doctor to use his own sperm to
0: inseminate people. (laughs) You can inseminate, but you can't duel. That's where we draw the line.
2: <laughs> I like ew. like it's a no like I didn't ask for someone else's fucking right. sperm. Like yeah
0: yeah
1: oh I thought that he was having sex with the women though so I mean right. Like, so
2: this
0: is like way better than that yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and so I'm thinking he must have used their dad's sperm for Lynn because she looked like them but he used his own sperm for Jamie so for some reason at the time the sperm that would have been for to make Jamie didn't work hmm um he has not commented or been interviewed on this he's 104 Holy so shit. he's super old but um when they asked his daughter like his like not actual daughter but the daughter that he raised and stuff um if he ever did it to women who didn't know she said that he would have told anyone who asked
2: hmm
0: it's not really the same thing though
2: mm-hmm Wait, a, like that's a loophole I think
0: yeah yeah and like who would ask that like you're going into a doctor to get artificially inseminated with your husband's like hey by the way is this yours so I feel Bye. like that's kind of a cop-out um, <laughs> just
1: imagine having someone else's sperm injected into you. <laughs> so
0: that's hard. such a violation yeah like it's
1: just ugh. yeah
0: it's heinous yeah <laughs> Uh, She also (laughs) said that he only did it if he couldn't get a sample from the father. So
1: apparently every single fucking time you fathered
0: fathered thousands of children. (laughs) So during his career, he delivered over 9,000 babies. So who knows how many kids he has out there? Holy shit. Crazy. Yeah and he is again he is now 104 years old so
1: obviously he's doing something right <laughs> right
0: he's jacking off all the time right <laughs> keeping him young <laughs> kept him young yeah so that is the short but sweet story of Dr. Piven uh what? and his uh millions of children that he has great <laughs>
1: gross i know (laughs) it's
0: just like it's not as bad as you you thought it was going to be going into it but it's still gross all right so let's hear about uh your ufo rochelle about the carp ontario or cape whichever (laughs) definitely a billowy
2: cape of ontario (laughs) okay so i uh have a quote to There are 10,000 sightings each year in North America alone. So it's been since the dawn of time. Stone Age, even biblical references into our modern age. In 1947, Kenneth Arnold saw nine unidentified crafts at the window of his small plane, followed by the historic crash at Roswell and its legendary cover-up. In 1957, UFOs were spotted over our nation's capital. The Pentagon held press briefings, multiple witnesses in 1967, at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana see fighters scramble but easily outrun by UFOs that climb upwards of 200,000 feet, twice the service ceiling of our highest flying spy planes. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man to Walk on the Moon, cites secret studies on extraterrestrial materials and bodies. Secretary of State Cyrus Vance, future President Gerald R. Ford validates the UFO phenomena in official government memoranda. But now people only laugh and only Roswell is remembered. We must ask ourselves, are they really a hoax? Are we truly alone? Or are we being lied to? We're being watched. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that would be <laughs> <laughs> quote by uh, Fox Mulder X-Files, season 9, episode 19. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Love it
2: have you guys heard of the not to get us off
0: track because i know you said your story was long but have you heard of the theory that um like ufos and aliens are just like us from the future coming i back? told
2: you that ashley oh i oh, like no. that theory <laughs>
0: <laughs> i like that theory
2: wait tell me that again i didn't hear you i told you that i think it was literally the episode that Jess wasn't with us
0: Oh, that um, that UFOs and like alien sightings are actually just like humans from the future coming back to like do things or whatever.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't like that theory. And oh, that I like it. gonna
0: evolve into. I like that theory. I, like that. I don't want to look like a gross alien, dude. <laughs> can you imagine not having any hair? You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to shave it. You don't have any hair and just two big old fucking eyes. I love it. <laughs> Right. you
1: turn yourself into an alien <laughs>
0: and you get to be green how fun you are well you are like fully capable of shaving your head i would look like a drowned muskrat <laughs> you have any hair. <laughs> okay okay
2: <laughs> sorry <laughs> go ahead rochelle <laughs> let's snap back to reality now <laughs> the story i have to share with you this week was inspired by my love of a certain 90s tv show But all of the information I've gathered is, for all intents and purposes, true. True in the sense that those who witnessed this event believe in what they saw. Considering it's still an unsolved mystery, as are many well-known UFO sightings that have made headlines through the years, we might never know for sure what really happened, or what the mysterious craft sighted over the small town of Carp, Ontario on November 4th, 1989, actually was. I think you'll agree this is a pretty cool story above all. Plus, it's Canadian. Pardon my (laughs) bias, but I think that adds to its coolness factor. Of course, it does.
0: (laughs) Listen, Canadian, Canada, Canada is looking better and better from this American point of view. You
2: just said Canada. I know, and then I went with it. Fine, (laughs) but where do we start? How about with a question? Who was or is Guardian? Amongst the hearsay about a reported UFO that crash-landed in the swampy area around Manning Corners, a videotape was anonymously mailed to several Canadian and American UFO researchers signed only with the name Guardian and an inked thumbprint. The video, clearly filmed at night, appears to show a brightly lit object with a blue flashing strobe approaching a clump of bright flares in the alleged landing zone. The video is blurry, but so far has not been proved to be doctored in any way. It became quite popular, even catching the attention of many TV shows, including everyone's favorite, Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. Despite Canadian UFO enthusiasts deeming it a hoax, a second copy of the tape mailed by the mysterious Guardian in February 1992 to American UFO researcher Bob Eschler, provided the catalyst for the Unsolved Mysteries crew to make the trip up to Carp with their cameras in tow. Bob Eschler, that sounds very familiar. He's like a very renowned UFO. Was he in my Black Eyed Kid story?
0: We did that before Rochelle came on.
2: I know, know, maybe. I feel like he was in the Black Eyed Kid story. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. When news of a potential UFO crash first came to light, Graham Lightfoot, a UFO researcher living in Ottawa at the time, was dispatched to verify the claims of the witnesses. He interviewed residents in the area that had been mentioned by the Guardian about anything unusual that might have occurred the night of the supposed landing. One of the witnesses was Diane Labanek. She said that on the night of November 4th, 1989, she witnessed an intense bright light pass overhead, looked to be heading towards a swamp at the far end of the field south of her home. She also said she had seen several helicopters earlier that evening patrolling the area with bright lights. Another witness claimed their cattle was dispersed by something, and it took a while to find them all the next day. Hmm. Graham had spoken with a couple who lived in the area about a very bright light that shone through their south-facing bathroom window. The wife exclaimed, it reached right down our hallway, when recounting the experience. She also recalled hearing the sound of helicopters that night. Unfortunately, without verifiable proof of any crashed UFO and absolutely no photographic evidence, the case is deemed a hoax, and the Guardian was nothing but a creative crook. It's worth noting that the original investigations into this incident occurred almost 33 years ago. Technology has advanced quite a lot since then. Could more answers be obtained if we look back at the evidence through a modern lens? Let's take a deeper look into the original letter sent by the Guardian along with the original tape. Oh, okay, I'm excited. The following is an edited transcript of the Guardian's letter and claims, preceded by a note written by author and researcher Don Ecker. This file is uploaded exactly as I received it. The file came to me unsigned and in the proverbial brown paper envelope. <laughs> the text was postmarked from Canada and it had no return address. In the file, you will see referenced two photos that were included. What these were, a Xerox of an aerial photo of the Carp, Ontario region, and a very poor Xerox of what was supposed to be an alien. No detail was observed, just a poor shot of what appeared to be a grey. All in all, this is extremely suspect, and the only reason I think that, and the only reason that I uploaded it was that there had been much comment regarding it. Not only here, but on Paranet, so read it at your own risk. Mm-hmm.
1: I always thought it's so creepy when they refer to them as Grays.
2: Yeah. I know. Like, yeah. Uh, just gives me
1: the chilly willies.
2: Yeah. Don't worry,
1: that's what you're gonna evolve into eventually.
0: <laughs> you're gonna be a Grays.
2: <laughs> a gray. No, thank you. <laughs> Canadian and American security agencies are engaged in a conspiracy. This is this this is the letter, by the way. Uh, Canadian and American security agencies are engaged in a conspiracy of silence to withhold from the world the alien vessel seized in the swamps of Corkery Road Carp in 1989 UFO sightings in the Ontario region had intensified in the 1980s specifically around nuclear power generating stations on November 4th 1989 a 20 hun- at <laughs> Fucking military time. (laughs) I should know this too because my dad is military and still only uses military time, but like (laughs) twenty hundred hours, which I think is eight o'clock. Canadian Defense Department radars pick up a globe-shaped object traveling at phenomenal speed over Carp, Ontario. The UFO abruptly stopped to drop like a stone. Canadian-American security agencies were immediately notified at the landing. Monitoring satellites traced the movements of the aliens to a triangular area off Almonte-Corkery Roads. The ship had landed in a deep swamp near Corkery Road. Two AH AH-64 Apaches and a UH UH-60 Blackhawk headed for the area the following night. The helicopters carried full weapon loads. They were part of a covert American unit that specialized in the recovery of alien craft. Flying low over Ontario pine trees, the Apache attack choppers soon spotted a glowing blue 20 meter in diameter sphere. As targeting lasers locked on, both gunships unleashed their full weapon loads of eight missiles each. All 16 were exploded in proximity, burst 10 meters downwards from the ship. The missiles were carrying Vexon, a deadly neuroactive gas which kills on contact. Exposed to the air, the gas breaks down quickly into inert components immediately after having completed their mission the gunships turn around and headed back across the border now the black hawk landed as men exploded from its open doors in seconds the six-man strike team had entered the ufo through a seven meter hatchless oval portal no resistance was encountered at the controls three dead crewmen were found
1: <gasps> like three- what like three dead aliens
2: but the ship captured the US Air
1: Force. <laughs> Rochelle
0: shrugged everyone. <laughs>
2: and an office of Naval Intelligence were notified. Through the night, a special team of technicians had shut down and dissembled the sphere. Early the next morning, November 6, 1989, construction equipment and trucks were brought into the swamp. The UFO parts were transported to a secret facility in Canada, Ontario. As a cover story, the locals were informed that the road is being built through the swamp. No smokescreen was needed for the military activity as Canadian forces regularly train in the CARP region.
1: I hmm. forgot. Oh, CARP is near Ottawa, isn't it?
2: It's very close
1: to Ottawa. Yeah, because yeah. you were talking about Canada, and I'm like, oh, I stayed in Canada when I went to the Mumford & Sons
0: concert in Ottawa. Yeah. Wait, That's- wait, wait. There's a place called Kanada, Canada. Yeah, it's yeah. K-A-N-A-T-A. K-A-N-A-T-A. So it's Canada with a K. No. And a T, <laughs> and a T. Okay, I didn't hear the T. Sorry. So Canada, Canada. Yeah. Canada,
2: Canada. Yeah. Oh man. Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Um, you should hear some of the. uh Instead of a joke, I should read you some Canadian fucking cities.
0: <laughs>
1: There's a place in it. Newfoundland called dildo. Dildo.
2: We
0: have a. uh We have a dildo. We have a um. A condom. No, we have something about (laughs) balls somewhere. I can't remember.
1: (laughs) Of course, you do. Okay.
0: (laughs) You know, like the the thing I I hate the
1: most are like the uh, pickup trucks that have the balls hanging. Oh, God. So gross. gross. (laughs)
0: Like, okay, come on. We get it. You have a penis. Move on.
2: (laughs) Officially, nothing unusual was reported in the area. Although someone anonymously turned in a 35 millimeter roll of film. Was received by the National Research Council of Canada in Ottawa. The film contains several clear shots of an entity holding a light. This time, the photographer is still unidentified. The humanoids are packed in ice sent to isolation chambers at the University of Ottawa. CIA physiologist, physi physio, fuck, <laughs> CIA physiolog physiologist, <laughs> physiologist. Probably. <laughs> Physiologists <laughs> performed the autopsies. Physiolog. <sighs> <he a> <laughs> the reptilian fetus-headed beings. Ew. Actually listed that's oh, as class one NTEs, non-terrestrial entities.
0: Yeah.
2: Like others are covered in previous operations. They were muscular, gray white skinned humanoids. <laughs> I like the bright white skin. That's pretty gray white skin oh i thought you said bright white skin gray white (laughs) and that's what you want to be ashley (laughs) the ship is partially reassembled at the underground facility in canada unlike previous recoveries this one is pure military but as a starfighter it is heavily armed and armored in design no rivets bolts or welds were used in the fastening yet when reconstructed there are no seams. The UFO itself is made up of matrixed dielectric magnesium alloy and mm-hmm. is driven by pulsed electromagnetic fields generated by a cold fusion re- reactor. All offensive, capabilities utilize, utilize, All <laughs> offensive <laughs> capabilities utilize independently targeting electronic beam weapons. In the cargo hold were found ordnance racks containing 50 Soviet nuclear warheads. Their purpose was revealed by advanced tactical slash combat computers located in flight. The most important alien tech find were the two-millimeter spheroid brain implants. Surgically inserted through the nasal orifice, the individual can be fully monitored and controlled. The CIA and Canadian government have actively supported mind-slave experiments for years. Currently, the University of Ottawa is involved in ELF, Wave Mind Control Programs a continuation of the CIA psychological warfare project known as MKUltra. Oh! I, I was going to say, Institute this sounds so much like MK Ultra crap. <laughs> Using ELS signals transmitted at the same wavelength the human brain uses, the researchers could subliminally control the test subject. The alien implants utilize the same principles, except that the whole unit is sub-miniaturized and contained in the brain. Fortunately, the implants can be detected by magnetic resolution scanning technology. All individuals implanted by the aliens are classified as zombies. Ooh, the zombies nice. have been programmed to help overthrow mankind in the near future. I mean, awesome. So, you probably
0: deserve it.
2: <laughs> but don't forget that that is the letter that was sent by this mysterious guardian. So, that whole thing was the letter. All we know is that is most likely complete bullshit.
1: Holy crap. I forgot that that was a lie. I
2: did too. <laughs> so on the surface, it really does seem like a bunch of bullshit if you think about it. No. However, Andrew King of Ottawa Rewind has spent some time analyzing these wild claims. And here's what he found. It's claim number one in the letter. Canadian and American security agencies were immediately notified of the landing. Monitoring satellites traced the movements of the aliens to a triangular area off of Alamonte Corkery Road. So, if you zoom in to the property area mentioned on a current Google satellite map where Guardian claimed the UFO crashed, there is indeed a triangular area of land that is adjacent to the swamp. This area was later verified by analyzing an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and the property was identified. Cool. Oh, wow. So, claim number two two AH 64 Apaches and a UH 60 Blackhawk headed for the area the following night. The helicopters carry full weapon loads. They were part of a covert American net that specialized in the recovery of alien craft. So, unrelated witnesses in the area said that they saw and heard helicopters and bright lights that evening. Hmm, that'd be true. Claim number three the UFO parts are transported to a secret facility in Canada, Ontario. In Canada, at Shirley's Bay, there is a government research facility where classified Defense Department projects are worked on. It is called Defense Research and Development Canada, DRDC for short. And it's where some sites claim they're ongoing alien craft reverse engineering projects. Of course, it's all speculation, but we won't rule out the possibility just yet. Claim four: The CIA and Canadian government have actively supported mind slave experiments for years. Currently, the University of Ottawa is involved in ELF wave mind control programs, a continuation of the CIA psychological warfare project known as MKUltra started at the Allen Memorial Institute in Montreal. This is actually true. The MKUltra program operated mind control experiments from the Allen Institute during the 1960s. Extremely low frequency or ELF has been the subject of many conspiracies. The mind can be controlled with these signals. Those claims can be somewhat verified by cross-referencing current data. But in the opinion of King, who curated those analyses, analyses, (laughs)
1: there
2: is still not enough evidence to verify the claim that an actual craft was ever recovered. So I want to jump back to Bob Eschler's involvement in the case. The following comes from an article published in the Almonte Gazette on February 3rd, 1993. UFO researcher Bob Eschler waved a hand of the pile of documents, photos on the kitchen table. This is a landmark case in UFOology, he said. The pictures on the table show a blur of multicolored lights and disc shapes and white faces with black almond-shaped eyes. Most of them were taken off a video sent to Eschler anonymously, almost a year age. Since then, Eschler has methodically and meticulously Analyzed the video in the site near the old Alamonte and Cork Group roads. Just convincing enough to draw two major American television networks there to film. NBC's Unsolved Mysteries mm-hmm. airs its version this Wednesday on cable. So don't forget this was written in 1993. <laughs> oh, the year I <laughs> On was cable born. at 8 p.m. this Friday on CJOH. The, the Fox Network story on sightings hits the airways February 12th. Eschler's involvement began when he received the videotape at his Annapolis, Maryland home last February. Attributed only to Guardian, in the package bore Ottawa postmark. The 32 minutes of footage show a mostly white linear light with red flares off to the left and a flashing light on top, said Eschler. The color of the lights ranges from red to blue to green from one end to the other. Smoke billows out from under the lights, moves to the right, as the photographer moves closer, reflections off the disc show a rounded turret in the center, with a vertical blue strobe on the top and fins or slates around the edges. Closing in even more, Guardian gets shaky close-ups to the upper strobe. Soundtrack has sounds of barking dogs and a ratchet sound. <laughs> NBC spent 115,000 to recreate this whole event with no success. Said Eshler. The rest of the tape is taken up with frames frames or still shots of supposed aliens standing in tall grass. Some are holding bright lights in their hands. Oh, that's so creepy. Hooded figures with large almond-shaped eyes have short snouts and little facial details. The tape is wrapped in six pages of accompanying information. Some typed on fake Department of National Defense letterhead. The document showed a map of the corkery area and a page of hand-drawn symbols of the map of the same area. There's also a photocopy of two Polaroid shots, grass lit by a flash in the foreground and a row of lights in the back. The fake DD documents have thick black markers through several lines as if released via a Freedom of Information Act request. Hmm. The remaining text suggested aliens wish to take over the world via cultural arts. And Aliyah is on with the red Chinese. The earth is their entertainment, writes Guardian, of the beautiful blondes who are infiltrating the New York art world, Hollywood rock music, literature, and sculpture. Oh, you beautiful blondes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rochelle's not blonde anymore. She's (laughs) pink. I know, I'm faded pink. (laughs) My roots are still blonde, though. (laughs) A diagram shows the craft flying under the radar curtain to avoid detection very different from anything I'd ever received said Eshler he he added it appears Guardian is looking to spread the words of his findings to as many people as possible we're talking about someone who's very knowledgeable here said Eshler referring especially to the complex symbols this person is obviously environmentally concerned he said Guardian is obviously aware that in the case of alleged UFO sightings skeptics often attack the messenger without considering the message guardian wanted to focus on the events not himself said eschler that shows a knowledge of ufo cases for the past year again this was written in 1993 (laughs) eschler has been researching every element of the video to determine if it's a hoax so far he is convinced it's not Hmm. and the complexity of the video image we're not talking about a crude model here he said With his colleagues in the United States, Eschler spent 20 hours studying the video frame by frame. He said that the strobe on the top of the craft is the only vertical one he's ever seen. He added, it is unheard of the pulses alternate in high and low frequencies at very fast speed of 7.5 cycles per second. Comparing the craft to the grass in the field, Eschler, the company, determined it is 25 feet in diameter and less than 5 feet high. The red flares in the video left no traces of strontium or cesium, the two elements that make up most of the content of military flares. Instead, the site was powdered with substantial amounts of titanium, an element used in strong steel alloys. I was quite curious, said Eschler. Eschler found the titanium all over the plants in a 50-foot diameter area, where plants have been dehydrated and melted with no signs of burning. All around the sphere, the grass was waist-high, he added. Information from Environment Canada confirms the direction of the wind matches the video's interpretation of the weather that night. Eshler, a former NASA mission specialist, hooked up with the Canadian UFO Network and found they had received a similar package from Guardian after an incident in November 6, 1989. To so remember, Graham Lightfoot of Cobden, Eshler met Diane and Bill Labanek, who owned the property being investigated. Without letting on that they had received a tape light, and Eschler asked if the Labnecks had seen anything unusual. It turns out Diane Labneck had seen an unusual set of lights protecting her children into bed around 11 p.m. August 18, 1991. She also witnessed a November 1989 event. Because of her agreement with NBC, Labneck cannot tell her story until after the broadcast. Much <laughs> <laughs> has been 29 years
0: can't believe that's been
2: 29 years. (laughs) She drew pictures that were geometrically correct to the video and gave details about the incident not captured on tape, like the craft's departure. A neighbor recalls seeing red lightning and a white light and a gold halo the same night. Within a half hour of the sighting, four months afterwards, a labad at comb became the target for unusually active helicopter activity. The black, seamless, unmarked choppers hover over the house, sometimes low enough to see in the Labanex windows. Twice they have blown shingles off the house and the outside shed. d has given the Labanex pictures of its machinery to prove that it's not their doing. That element still remains a mystery. Eschler has joined forces in the National Research Council. He claimed he's the first person to work with the council on a suspected UFO matter. They agree after looking at the photos taken by the family, the helicopters are not Canadian. Ashler is still questioning many aspects of the video. His biggest question remains Guardian. How does he know when and where they land, he queried. He said Guardian has to have prior knowledge to arrive on site with packages of Polaroid film and an excellent quality video camera. He said he hopes the television exposure will generate interest, hopefully more information. He will be in this area until Friday. Again, in in 1993. In 1993. (laughs) So you just missed him. (laughs) Just by like a little. (laughs) Eschler went on to write about the case himself. The Guardian case is simply one of the most important investigations in UFO research. My involvement in the investigation began in February of 1992 with the receipt of a videotape and documents sent by anonymous individuals using only the name Guardian. The video represents a remarkable improvement in the quality of UFO photographed images. She has an unmistakable three-dimensional image of a structured craft with extraordinary luminosity characteristics. Further images on the video have proved to be the first authentic images of alien beings associated with such events. The subsequent field investigation efforts yielded gross physical effects at the landing site, which was witnessed by several credible individuals. A Canadian government official who resides in the area of the landing was taking on board the craft and claimed to have interacted with the occupants, one of whom was a Chinese man in a black business suit. The witness testimony was subject to polygraph examination. Examination. I don't know why I said that really weird. <laughs> the results proved positive. One case has undergone more diversified scientific analysis than any other case in history. This due largely to the abundance of physical evidence found at the site. The case has been popularized with international publicity, including segments on NBC's Unsolved Mysteries, yeah, yeah, and Fox sightings. <laughs> we are currently in production involving a documentary on the case to be broadcast during ratings week of February 1994.
0: Ooh! <laughs>
2: That's when I was born. In the summer of 2020, a film crew made the trek to Carp in an attempt to re-spark the investigation into the case. During their time there, they met a man who was once accused of being the infamous Guardian. He was a local man who was chased down by a private investigator from the TV show Encounters. According to the modern film crew, this man was lovely in his (laughs) 60s and a churchgoer who swears he had nothing to do with the case. He was certainly a believer though and openly discussed his involvement in other ufo cases but adamantly denied any connection to the guardian they met others in the area who too had experiences but were hesitant to share them they told stories about the inexplicable lights and encounters with what looked like distant craft on rural routes. these people were still struggling with their unexplainable experiences they still have no idea what happened but they all know that something did happen. Many of them still searching for answers. The original witnesses to the event, the family that was highlighted on Unsolved Mysteries, the Labnex, no longer seem to want to talk of what happened. They wouldn't pick up the phone when the crew in 2020 called, but recently their expansive rural property has been listed for rent on Airbnb. Oh, <laughs> The selling point, of course, being able to spend the night in a yurt on the property that was once rumored to be the location of a UFO crash landing. Ian Rogers, who was only 16 at the time of the Guardian case and a huge X-Files fan at the time, (laughs) now spends his days as an author writing stories and novels about ghosts, paranormal detectives, and UFOs. In 1994, he borrowed his mother's car and set out for carp himself. He returned in 2020 to revisit the case and found something else. Credible people in the area have had other strange encounters independent of the Guardian case. UFO Town, the documentary about the case and the collective fascination with the UFO phenomenon, is now streaming on CBC Gem. Like now. Oh, like not in
0: 1993?
2: No. It asks the questions. We all want to know the answers to. Why are we so fascinated with the possibility of life beyond our planet? Do we stand on the cusp of finally finding out the truth? Ooh. And why do people keep seeing strange things in the small Ontario community? That is the story of the carp Ontario UFO case. Interesting. And now I really want to go stay in the yurt. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. So
0: cool. Well, my question is if I were an alien and I was visiting a planet and we landed and like everything got taken away and studied and whatever or crash landed, I probably wouldn't go back to that same place over and over and over. No. Yeah.
1: Doesn't seem very smart.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe they're dumb aliens. I don't know.
1: <laughs>
2: don't say that. They'll come after you. Well, like, who oh, do geez. you think this like guardian is? Like, do you think they're just like a witness? Or do you think they have something to do with it? Or do they think they're like a whistleblower, like Bob Lazar?
0: I think it's probably a crazy 90-year-old guy living in an RV wearing a tinfoil hat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: probably is that six-year-old man. <laughs> Oh, probably a
1: hot tamale, old man. Hot tamale.
0: <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Anyways, that was a really cool story. i never heard yeah, of that before. I no, I hadn't either. Um, I like it, and it's only about an hour away from me, so very nice. cool. In Canada, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In Cam-da, Canada, Canada. In Canada,
2: Canada. Canada, Canada.
0: <laughs> oh. Okay. I... Oh, it's
2: where the Diefenbunker bunker is. That's cool. Do you know what the Diefenbunker bunker is actually? Mm-mm. It's a cold War bunker if a Defen Baker was a prime minister. Oh. like should something happen, they would like take him there. Uh-huh what happened.
0: And that's by you. Is that what you're saying? Yes, a good hour away. Oh very cool. It's May the fourth,
1: so may the fourth <laughs> be with you and also and- with you.
0: <laughs> On that note, I
1: have some May the 4th be with you jokes.
2: Oh, I, do- I have a joke for Ashley's story. Oh, okay. Um, How do you cancel an appointment with the sperm bank? Oh, God. How? Um, you can't come. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and just before you start your May the 4th, I do have three jokes that alex sent us that i wanted to read okay they're quick they're science jokes cute. Uh, why do mice stay inside when it's overcast uh because they're f- afraid of cats because it it's might bring rain cats, cats and off. dogs Aww, yeah. cute. how much room does fungi need to grow uh a mushroom. this mushroom As mushroom as possible. (laughs) And why can't you trust Adams? Because they're everywhere. Because they make up everything. (laughs) Those were from Alex and I really liked them. Okay, so what are your May the fourth jokes?
1: Okay. Which program do Jedi use to open PDF files? Adobe One Kenobi.
0: Michelle has her Yoda. I have baby Yoda. Is that baby
2: Yoda? Yeah, I made him. I have baby oh. Yoda downstairs too. I have my actual baby Yoda doll. He's in the living room.
0: You made that one? Yeah. I'm so impressed.
2: Thank you. Well, that's awesome. He has no feet. That's I never okay. got around to making his feet, but I no did make needs. his little. feet? His little robe. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I have another one. What do you call a pirate droid? (laughs) R2D2. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. uh, um, uh, Okay. What do you get if you cross a bounty hunter with a tropical fruit? I don't know. Pineapple orion. <laughs> uh, a mango fet. A mango fet. <laughs> a mango. <laughs> oh, okay. This one's really cute. It's the last one. <laughs> what did Yoda ride as a kid?
0: Oh, what did you ride, Yoda?
1: <laughs> a deuceicle, because there is no try. <laughs> 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 a
2: that's just a fucking bicycle. <laughs> Accurate.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, if you want more of us lovely ladies, you can find us on historiesandmysteries.ca. We are also on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Uh, and if you would love to rate and review us, it would really be fantastic. And you can do so on Spotify or Apple. And thank you to everybody who has so far rated and reviewed. It's been amazing. We
2: love all of you. Yes, thank you. You live where a UFO crashed.
0: Let us know.
2: And and you rent it out to other people. Let us know (laughs) so we can come and stay.
0: And if you live in Canada, Canada, let us know too. Canada! (laughs)
1: Canada. I want to house uh, Rochelle and I for free. (laughs) Yeah we'll come for a visit and we'll do some little uh, s- uh ufo stuff just
0: <laughs> oh my god okay oh, well oh, we look okay. forward to bringing you two new stories next week bye, bye.